across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Okay, everybody, you have been given your instructions. Don't go anywhere, don't do anything, don't touch anyone, don't go on holiday, don't go to work, don't get on a train, don't go to the pub, don't go and visit your elderly relatives, and whatever you do, don't go to any large gatherings. Unless, of course, you're going to Cheltenham, which is absolutely fine. What on earth is going on in this country? We're now being told that bin collection and street cleaning could be disrupted as a result of a virus that has killed five people in this country in the past month. I mean, seriously, there are more people dying of old age listening to this radio show on a daily basis than there are dying of coronavirus. Can we please get a grip? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Coming up, we'll be asking why the latest eco-plankery is advising that we stop eating meat immediately and shut everything else down. By the way things are going at the moment, we'll probably get there sooner than we think. But this is all ridiculous, isn't it? 0344 499 1000 is the number to call us on. Don't forget we are live streaming of course as well on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, and we'll also find out a little bit later on what is in the budget for prison officers because tomorrow uh, Rishi Sunak gets up at the dispatch box following Prime Minister's questions. We will be live from Westminster in the tent of common sense. We make our first return there this year uh, and we'll be bringing you the budget live uh, as it happens on Twitter. Of radio. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. A couple of people on Twitter uh, are having a go, saying that I'm not taking this seriously enough. Uh, Donald says, Mike, I like yours and Nigel Farage's radio shows, but over the coronavirus, you're both coming across as naive school kids. Well, I, dis I disagree with that. I think the people who are coming across as naive school kids are the ones who are busy saying uh, that basically uh, you have to take this incredibly seriously, even if you are a very healthy specimen, and even if you, you do not have any underlying health issues. Because like I've said, we have tested over 23,500 people in this country for the coronavirus and all but 300 of them or so uh, have come back negative. So you have to look at the statistics and stop being an absolute panic monger because that, I think, is more dangerous than anything because you might well survive the coronavirus but the economy might not survive uh, into next year. Let's talk to Alan Friedman now, uh, who's journalist, of course, uh, and author as well. Uh, he's uh, been in Italy recently and uh, we'll find out from him whether this tweet that I've seen from somebody who's tweeting in Italy uh, and making things sound very, very desperate indeed uh, is indeed true. Alan, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, good morning. I, I just left uh, the red zone in Lombardy uh, yesterday and I'm now over the border in uh, Lugano. In right. And how, how were, you, were you able to do that with relative ease? Yeah, although the uh, Swiss police have now uh, sealed the border with Italy uh, and will only allow uh, guest workers through. Uh, and uh, I came through literally hours before that went into effect or I would have been stuck. Right, OK. So the lockdown is now fully in effect, which it wasn't really before. That's right. It was before a lockdown for 16 million Italians in Lombardy and Venice and parts of the north. Mm. 
and now the entire country is in lockdown. So right. It's, uh, 60 million Italians. Wow. I mean, I've been looking at some tweets uh, written by somebody called Jason Van Shore. I don't know whether you've seen any of these on Twitter, um, but he's mm -hmm. writing a long thread uh, from Lombardy talking about what a great place it is for healthcare and that it's very advanced. People shouldn't make the mistake that it is in any way you know, a third world situation. But he's basically painting a picture of some very dire uh, things going on. Well, let me, let me try to describe what's going on inside the red zone of Italy, mm. because I've been there, I've been with people, and, and, uh, and I'm pretty informed. The, the situation is that, th that there are a number of cases where uh, the people who are infected with the virus are what they call asymptomatic, meaning they show no, they don't get ill, they don't have uh, cough, they don't have uh, fever, they seem normal, but... Uh, they are nonetheless carriers of the virus mm. and can infect other people. Right. So the idea of the lockdown is, uh, you know, we went through this when I was in Italy a few weeks ago. I saw this kind of curve where first everybody went into panic mode and they cleaned up the supermarket shelves and all that, right? Right. And then uh, the authorities and the local politicians and everybody saying, let's not panic, let's keep our shirts on, keep calm and carry on, yeah. let's not let this defeat us, get on with normal life, sort of like what we're hearing at this phase in Britain right yeah. now. And then as the geometric progression or exponential progression of the infected grew from 600 to 10,000 in the last 11 days, just remember, 11 days ago, there were 600 Italians mm. infected, today there are 10,000. Right. That's in, in 11 days, so that's about 1,000 a day. Yeah. Um, then people went back into panic mode, and that was, of course, as the markets collapsed and, and the world went into panic mode. The, the situation in Italy is that most people are trying to stay at home. Most people who don't have to go to work are ordered to stay at home. Yeah. And that means that the economy will seize up, is seizing up. There will be a deep recession in Italy. Italy's a lot weaker as an economy than Britain. You know, Italy could go from virtually zero growth to minus 2%, yes. whereas Britain can go from 2% down to 1% or 0 you know. So yeah. it, Britain has a stronger base. But still, the, the problem is we don't know how long will it take until the thing peaks. Yeah. If the peaks in Italy happen, like, in a few weeks, in two or three weeks, they've locked down the country till April 3rd because they're assuming the worst will be over by then. Yeah. But that, that assumption, if that's true... And then it will still take another month or two to get back to normal life. So basically, they'll have wiped out the first six months of the year in terms of in economic terms, and there'll probably be a twenty or thirty thousand, not ten thousand people yeah. infected in another two weeks. I guess. In I guess Britain, the question, Britain Alan, is supposed to be eleven to fifteen days behind the Italian curve, but nobody knows. No, we that's the thing. That's well, the I went to Gatwick Airport on Saturday uh, to pick up my daughter who was coming in from Vienna, and there were three flights coming in immediately before her from Bologna from Venice uh, and from Milan. And I thought to myself, well, this is a bit weird. I don't know where, how many people were on those planes, but certainly, you know, it was very clear that there was no lockdown going on of Italy. Now planes well, are let, not... let me be clear. As of today, Milan airports don't fly out of Italy anymore. No, I know. But and British Airways airport. have stopped all flights there, and, all, and that's all happening now. But it wasn't happening uh, last week, as I say. So you here's... know what the real problem is? It isn't even Italy. What if somebody comes from Paris yeah. or from Berlin or from Amsterdam and is a carrier and comes to Britain. Yeah. The problem is the whole system is seizing up, and we're going to see 
in my opinion, lockdowns in other parts yes. of Europe. Well, I spoke to Jeremy Hunt last week, who's the uh, the chair of the Health Select Committee here in Parliament, former, um, uh, former Secretary of State for Health. And when I said to him, are you considering banning flights to anywhere or from anywhere? He said no because basically uh, it's not worth doing because people can arrive in this country by a variety of means and all, all that happens if you shut down flights is that goods don't get moved around the world. Now, that is just one of many things I've been told by, by government officials or, or by politicians which have later proved to be nonsense. Mm. You know, you so know, they, they, every time they say something, it changes. The best they can, but the information curve is changing all right. the time. Uh, so let me know, ask you a question, can, Alan. Yeah. What, what, what percentage of those people who are now infected um, are likely to be in a, in a dangerous situation? Because I suppose the question is, my, my belief has always been, maybe we'll end up all getting this virus, but only certain people who are vulnerable will actually die. I hope, I hope and don't think we'll all get it. And I, I hope and don't think that the theory that let it move through the population and come what may is is uh, considered taken seriously because that would not be the answer. Well, that's, that it would appear to be what's happening, though. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not being stopped, is it, by anyone? Well, I think things could change a lot in France, Germany, Britain, and the United States. All the countries that look like they have another 15 days before things get worse, mm. and it could change. Things that we say today could be rubbish tomorrow. Yes. That's the truth. And that is the difficulty. Um, and how and how is America dealing with it? Because it would seem that they don't have it quite as bad as, as Europe well, at the moment. Just in case listeners of talk radio are not aware of this, Donald Trump, who has been first claiming it's a hoax, a Democrat hoax or a CNN hoax, coronavirus, and then has tried to censure the doctors and the National Health Service uh, experts in, in Atlanta, the Center for Disease Control. Donald Trump last Friday was at the CPAC conservative jamboree in Washington, hugging and kissing uh, some of the most right-wing members of the Congress, Matt Goetz and Doug Collins. Both of them have declared in the last 24 hours that they're in quarantine because they've tested positive for the virus. And the question that's being asked of Donald Trump is, have you tested, sir? Yeah. Because it could be that he actually gets coronavirus, which would be very, very ironic because he and these guys were trashing coronavirus as a... Well, also, COVID. I mean, you certainly wouldn't want to wish coronavirus on an elderly gentleman because that would be cruel. However... No, let um, me come back to a, a really important point that distinguishes Italy. It might be better news for Britain. One of the reasons there's so many more deaths in Italy, we're running at 5% of the people who've been infected have died in Italy. That's, you know, a lot of people. That's uh, Yeah, but by population, okay. it's not a lot of people, is it? Well, it's 500 out of 10,000, so 5%. No, but I mean, it's 500 out of several million, is what I'm saying. No, no, it's, well, if you wish, but... Well, no, well, that's the truth, isn't it? The, this is my point. My point about how seriously it has to be taken and how alarmed we should be, when you look at the numbers of people in Italy and the numbers of the deaths... The true answer is nobody knows. Yeah, but the point is, is it's, it's a few hundred people out of several million. Yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not a virologist, so let me, let me stick to talking about stuff I know. What I do know is that the reason, in, that one of the reasons it spread so much more in Italy than elsewhere is because Italy has an older population, uh -huh. something like half the population is over 65. Right. And there's a cultural tradition where grandparents tend to live at home with their sons and daughters and families. Yeah. And little kids in, in Italy are the biggest carriers of this because they're asymptomatic, they beat it off, 
but they go and hug their grandparents, and it's those grandparents who are dying. And 80% of the deaths are people above the age of 70. Yeah. So be, be aware, Britain doesn't have that social, cultural thing where grandparents live at home with their children. So there's a difference. There. Yes. Oh, I think, I think the there only is... thing I would say to my friends in Britain is, if you have parents and grandparents over the age of 70, please tell them to be careful. And yeah. Well, this is kind of my point, Alan, and I'll, I'll just end with this, because I, I, I think um, what we're seeing in Italy is the possible uh, effect of many things. One of them, as you just mentioned there, uh, is the, the living conditions, the age of the population, but also perhaps the thing that they didn't do fast enough has resulted in more people now uh, suffering from it. However, I believe that it would be more sensible for our government to um, target the right people, if you like, rather than sort of messing with everybody's heads so that nobody really knows what's going on. We shall see, and I'm just glad to have come out of there. And uh, Have you been tested? No, because I haven't had contact with anybody who's positive. So well, how do you know that? My knowledge. I don't know that, but your, your point is fair. Your point is fair, but I came, through, I came from Tuscany through, uh, through Lombardy in a speeding car. Yeah. Never stop for petrol. Never open the windows. <laughs> well, I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely sure you know best. But if I, if I was, if I were you, I think I would get tested, Alan. But listen, thank you very much for for talking to us, and hopefully, we'll talk to you again very soon, Alan Friedman, uh, who's just left Italy um, in a fast car to get to to Switzerland. He makes some very good points. The point that I would take very seriously, though, is yes, the Italian population is much older probably than ours. And in fact, the living conditions under which people who are in Italy who are elderly live is different to ours as well. I just think it would make more sense. And I'm certainly not taking this whole situation lightly. What I would say uh, is that the government should be targeting those people who are vulnerable and telling them uh, about the best type of behaviour that they can practice. But the rest of us should be told not to worry if there's nothing to worry about. Don't you think? 0344 499 1000. You can watch us live on YouTube right now. Uh, go there, like it, subscribe to it, and you will be able to hear and get all sorts of notifications about all the other shows that we do, including Off Air that was recorded yesterday with Darren Grimes, and today's special, which of course will be Plank of the Week. This is Talk Radio. Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Uh, here's one from Mank Red, who says, Hi, Mike, the, the current scaremongering by certain areas of the media is surely responsible for gullible people stockpiling things like toilet rolls. I hope the planks will be self-quarantining for the benefit of the rest of us. Well, absolutely right. I think uh, one of the things that is very troubling is that certain people, when they get bits of information they don't understand, basically go into panic mode, and that's not really going to help anybody. And so all of you people who are telling me that I'm not taking it seriously enough, I think are getting it completely wrong, because you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be taken seriously. What I'm saying is, is that not everybody who contracts coronavirus is going to be in any danger whatsoever. Uh, Red Feather says the potentially high numbers are down to no one having immunity to this virus. So if, say, 60% of adults catch it and only 10 to 15% of the elderly and chronically ill infected suffer badly, that is still a lot of people needing more than paracetamol arrest. It is a lot of people. But when you consider that 17,000 people die every single year in this country from flu, then the numbers really speak for themselves, don't they? Now, one of the things that we promised you uh, on this show is that we're going to go around the world. We've just spoken to uh, Alan, who was in Italy until relatively recently yesterday. Uh, we're now going down to uh, Australia to talk to Ricky Freelove, Matthew Wright's producer, uh, who's gone on holiday down there uh, to check it all out at a time when the world is in lockdown. Ricky, congratulations on your uh, timing, and how are you? 
Oh, well, thank you very much, Mike. Well, I have to say, I mean, we obviously taking this very seriously, but I have gone to the absolute worst place in Sydney to have gone to for this holiday. I'm in, in North Epping, which has got the, the highest number of corona case virus cases going on here at the moment. It's, it's the worst place I could have literally gone to. Right. And how is the country coping with it? How's the, how's the health system coping with it? Uh, I, I, I don't think it's really actually had too much of, of an issue at the moment. There's only 100 cases, exactly 100 cases right. um, in Australia. So I don't think there's that much of an issue in terms of, of health. Yes. Uh, so that's actually fewer it's cases. It's, it's fewer cases different. than we've got here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I can't remember. There's something like 300 and something yeah. in the UK. I can't remember exactly how many, but it's, it's exactly 100 um, in, in Australia at the moment. And I think something like three people um, have died so far. Um, again, all, all elderly people, as, as we've heard uh, yeah. you know, across the world. Um, but you know, the, the supermarket situation is absolutely ludicrous. I've been to two supermarkets in my week and a half in Sydney, and you cannot buy anything in the form of toilet paper, tissues, uh, kitchen roll, nappies, powdered milk, uh, pasta or uh, tomato puree. Anything like that, there is nothing. And there are complete aisles empty at the moment. And are people panicking outside of the sort of the panic buying? Are people talking about it everywhere you go? I, I don't think so, no. I mean, you know, as always, life continues and people are still out and about drinking, as you'd expect. Uh, I think maybe it's a little bit quieter on the trains. Mm. Uh, I'm aware of a few people that are either working from home or you know, driving in as opposed to using public transport. Um, so I don't think it's a, it's a real concern, you know, per se, but it's quite obvious that uh, toilet roll is being used in some form of uh, you know, bartering tool. I saw a drunk man walking around with six rolls of toilet paper. I'm thinking, you know, how, what's going on here? Why is he walking around with six, <laughs> six rolls? That's not normal behaviour, is no. it? It's really not. And what are, the, what are the governments saying? Because, I mean, in this country, we're starting to get messages like, you know, if you get a cold, stay home, don't go to work. There's clearly an awful lot of people not going to work. Yeah, no, the Aussie government hasn't actually said that yet. They've, they've just said only if you have travelled um, and you have a cold should you come in for, for some sort of testing or self-isolation. Uh, but if you've just got a normal common cold, they're saying, don't worry. Yeah. That's kind of the line they've got at the moment. However, I think one of the, the health officials said, what rather worryingly, that you have a 50-50 chance of contracting coronavirus, um, which, I mean, isn't quite a great thing to say when you're trying to keep people calm. It's really not, but it's the same here. You know, we've been told that, you know, worst-case scenario, there could be half a million people dead, but that probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's not very comforting, really, is it, when you hear that? No, 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 no. Of, of, of course not. But, you know, some of the stuff that we've seen... Uh, literally down the road, and I'm talking like in a two-mile radius from where I am currently, um, there's sort of like nine people that are, have got it. So, I mean, it's, it is quite alarming when you're here in such a, a small area. But, you know, again, you know, Australia is a massive country right. and there's a, a large population. So, yeah, there are literally millions and millions of people that, that haven't got this at the moment. So, so are you, are you taking any precautions? Have you stopped kissing people and, you know, shaking hands? Uh, well, it's interesting. I think I'm certainly more aware of, you know, handrails or you know, anything like that on the train or stairs or something like that. I'm much, much more cautious. And also, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I washed my hands for a rather large amount of time today and the bloke next to me took a look at me and then decided he was also going to wash his hands <laughs> for a, a, a rather large amount of time. So I think, I don't know, I think there is a bit of an atmosphere growing in that sense, but, I, you know, it's, it's not, there's no worry, I'd say. No, because you're not at risk, are you? 
Well, well, I, I think I am and I'm not in the sense that literally this is the one place. So in this Epping Eastwood area, which I'm currently from or broadcasting from, it, it is bad. So we've got one doctor who's been seeing hundreds of patients, one lecturer who's got hundreds of students, and I think three local high schools have all closed down as a result. So right. I mean, there is reason to be concerned. Um, have you thought I'm, about yeah, going somewhere else? <laughs> Well, well, I mean, that's one thought. You know, I, I ran to the mountains today, so I mean, yeah. that's one way of getting away from it. Um, but, you know, no, it's, it, it's all right for now. I'm more concerned about getting home because I, I hear today that Qantas are considering rerouting all their planes that were going to Singapore to go to Perth on the West Coast instead because they're trying to avoid Singapore. Yeah. So, I mean, there's things like that which I'm concerned about, you know, how I'm going to get home and whether I'm going to be quarantined in, you know, two weeks' time or so. Well, that's it. Um, I mean, because already there are lists of countries that if you've been there, you can't come to work anymore. Well, exactly. And I I don't know how how far that's going to spread. I don't know whether... It would be quite interesting, actually, when when I come back, whether I will be tested. If I say to you right now on national radio, I'm within a a zone which should be kind of feared... Um, what, where the health officials will be, you know, marking my temperature as I mm. walk through the terminal. They might, they might well be. And also, what it would be good for you to find out while you are there uh, is whether con will still be allowed in, because obviously, you know, the, the health restrictions that are going to be in place by the time the end of this month comes are probably going to be quite stringent. Well, you're right. Yeah, they might not let him out. So no, it's, it's a good thought, uh, and I'll find out for you, Mike. That's very kind. And finally, do you have any message for Matthew Wright? Uh, keep up the good work and uh, commiserations on the award. Yeah, thanks very much indeed. Uh, Ricky Freelove there uh, talking live from the most infected part of Sydney uh, where he is bravely uh, managing to ward off so far the coronavirus. But the thing is, they've got less cases, fewer cases I should say, in Australia than we have in this country. And they don't appear to be panicking. The, uh, the sort of the idiots are panic buying, of course, in the shops. That does not mean anything. What I would like to hear from you uh, is what on earth is going on? Because we, as the public of this country, I think deserve to be given the facts, do not deserve to be patronised, do not deserve to be frightened uh, or made to panic about something which is not worth panicking about. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, those of you who listen to this show on a regular basis will know that I am certainly no enthusiast uh, for eco-plankery, and neither am I an enthusiast for carbon neutrality, neither am I in any way uh, a supporter of Extinction Rebellion, and I'm very happy to say that the man I'm about to speak to, Dr Benny Pizer, is of a similar disposition. Dr Benny, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Now, it doesn't come as any great surprise that we've been issued with a let, a, a yet another dictum uh, from the eco-maniacs saying that, you know, it may not be possible for us to be uh, climate neutral or carbon neutral uh, by 2050. Um, and I would certainly go along with that. Yeah, I mean, this new report uh, is basically trying to debunk the claims by, by Labour and by Extinction Rebellion and uh, climate activists that it would be possible to completely decarbonize be before 2050. Mm. And as you said, the, the implication would be uh, no more meat eating, uh, no more flying, uh, hardly any driving. But what is more interesting in the report is that they're saying yeah, by 2050, we will have to do it anyhow. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to cut eating meat by half. We have to cut flying by half. So no more cheap holidays abroad. No more uh, um, really cheap meat. No, no 
cheap driving, no cheap heating, everything will be expensive. I mean, this report just shows you how crazy, how unbelievably utopian this whole net zero madness is. Yeah, and it is madness. You're quite right to call it that because, quite frankly, nobody is even absolutely certain that if we were to achieve carbon neutrality, that it would, in fact, make any difference anyway. Well, that's the point. I mean, one of the reasons why Britain has managed to reduce its CO2 emissions quite substantially over the last 20 years or so is simple. We've just moved all the kind of heavy industry abroad. Mm. And we're importing all the products from China, uh, Vietnam and India, from other Asian countries and say, well, look, we, we are green, we don't emit CO2, but we are simply importing the stuff from countries that do emit yes. CO2. So no matter, even if Britain were to go completely zero on carbon emissions, it will be totally overwhelmed by CO2 emissions in the rest of the world. So it's completely futile unless there is a global agreement that everyone does the same, and we know. That's not going to happen. No, of course. And, of course, we didn't export all of those uh, heavy industries because of climate change. We exported them because they know how to do that stuff cheaper than we do, and therefore it wasn't economical for us to do that anymore. That's right. That's right. Well, it's a combination. It's cheaper to produce these things in countries that have lower standards, lower wages, and we obviously benefit from cheaper products so we can go to shops and buy very cheap clothing and, and shoes and, and everything is much cheaper because it's produced in low labor countries. Yeah. But we shouldn't assume or claim that as a result we are such a green, uh, low-emitting country mm. because we are still using the same products that are produced with CO2 emissions. We're just just not producing them in the UK. Right. Well, like, also, Extinction Rebellion's kind of claims have been sort of rather thrust uh, into the limelight recently because they're, they're, their mask has been starting to slip because they're no longer just asking for, you know, a climate revolution. They're asking now for a complete political revolution uh, and a capitalism revolution yeah. uh, and a move away from uh, the way that the world works into a sort of almost agrarian, um, you know, backward-looking you know, sort of return to the caveman times? Well, parts of them are, are advocating them. You know, parts of the climate campaigners have always been anti-capitalist and always used the, the, the climate issue mm. to, to, to bash our free market economies. Um, but the, 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 the point is that the more they uh, advocate these kind of um, policies, the less popular the issue becomes. And so you will see, you already see a growing concern about the rising costs of these policies. And once people realize uh, that they will suffer and they will be hurt and they will have to sacrifice so much uh, on the altar of the, of the green religion, there will be a public backlash big time. And the government uh, is at risk of underestimating the mood in the country. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And I think you told me the last time we spoke that, you know, we've gone as far as we can go as a government and as a country uh, without causing people too much pain in terms of, you know, the green um, sort of policies that, that we've been introducing. Now comes the time when it's difficult for the government because right. they're going to have to start causing pain, uh, whether it be in a taxation form or in, in change behaviour. 
That's right. And, and that's why um, the, the net zero policy adopted uh, or rushed through Parliament without real scrutiny and with misleading information mm. about its cost has an economic risk and a political risk. The economic risk is that uh, as, as you make energy more expensive, everything becomes more expensive. Um, think about house building. Um, to make houses net zero re requires so much additional technology, so much additional work, so yeah. much additional heating costs that, of course, house building will slow down. People won't be able to afford more expensive houses, never mind more expensive heating. So there is an economic uh, price, but there's also a political price because the government would very quickly become unpopular if people felt that pain in their pockets. Well, and, so and particularly if they're, if they're made to, say, for example, rip out their gas central heating boiler uh, and replace it with an electric one, uh, which, which they will have to somehow come, come up with the money for, if they're told they have to have an electric car rather than a diesel car, you know, which they have to pay for, people are going to revolt, aren't they? Absolutely. That's, that's the political risk of these policies that haven't been fully thought through, haven't really been costed. Mm. Government has never, ever really... Uh, fully costed uh, these policies, and whenever they are asked, they, they, they are not providing any information or costing. So it's a political risk, and it's very unlikely to happen. Now, there is a good chance that this goes belly up anyhow at the COP, at the UN Climate Conference in November, right. when the UK public will realize that the you know, some of the big players, some of the big emitters, never, you know, particularly <clears throat> China, India, and the U.S., uh, have no interest whatsoever in these net zero policies. And eventually they will realize that this is just virtue signaling without anyone following suit. Well, exactly right. Which, which begs the question, I suppose, is Greta Thunberg right when she says that, uh, you know, nobody's doing anything? Because I always say, well, you can't just keep coming to this country and telling us we're not doing anything because this government has pledged to do all sorts of things. Well, she obviously comes uh, from a different point of view. She yeah. thinks we have to decarbonize basically within 10, 15 years or right. 20 years, uh, like Extinction Rebellion. So in, in their eyes, governments are not doing enough. Even the British government uh, or any European government isn't doing enough. Um, but the reality is that even though European countries are decarbonizing mm. and Britain has been decarbonizing, it's completely irrelevant. Who cares what Europe is doing? Who cares what Britain is doing? Who cares what the U.S. is doing? Because the rising powers and the rising population, the rising industry is in Asia. Right. And that's overwhelming any cuts in emissions. Completely. Yeah. That's why CO2 emissions, despite us decarbonizing, the CO2 emissions keep rising because the developing world is developing. And right. rightly so. And becoming wealthier and becoming exactly. more able to afford uh, the things, the very things that pollute the planet. Well, CO2 isn't a pollutant. So CO2 is not polluting the planet. It is uh, a greenhouse gas. It, it's obviously uh, adds to the 
global warming. But no, but what I'm saying is, is that if, for example, more people in India have the money to buy air conditioning units, that's going to pollute the atmosphere. If more people in China can afford to buy cars, that's going to pollute the atmosphere. Well, it, it, uh, well I, I wouldn't use the word pollute because CO2 isn't a pollutant in the, what we normally think of you know, air pollution. Uh, it, it, it certainly, you're right, it increases quite significantly CO2 emissions, yeah. greenhouse gas emissions, because now people move from, you know, from cycling through China to cars, and um, many uh, hundreds of millions of Chinese and Indians are now middle class and have living standards like uh, you know, many yeah. people in the West. Well, that's what I mean. If you if you move from nine million bicycles to nine million cars, you know that's going to make a bit of a, a bit of a mess, isn't it? Um, well, on the streets, yeah, it will be crowded. But the cars nowadays are fairly clean, fairly compared to ten, twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, so you have air pollution in China and India, but that is primarily air pollution from power plants, and uh, they are building still you know, coal-fired power plants all over Asia. So whatever we shut down, they build twice, three times yeah. every week, every month. So that's what I'm saying. If the world wants to solve the issue of uh, CO2 emissions, it has to be a global attempt. But if only Britain or Europe does it, it's completely futile. And that's the situation currently. And it's futile in two ways. A, because um, CO2 emissions are still going up, and B, because a lot of industry will simply not stay in Europe if Europe becomes uncompetitive, yes. if we make our e economy more expensive um, for, for companies to invest in, in Europe, they will just move to countries where they can work cheaper. Yes, absolutely right. Dr. Benny Pizer, thank you very much indeed, Director of the Global Warming Policy Forum. Another voice of common sense on the climate issue uh, that faces us all at the moment because it is quite simply ludicrous, is it not, for this government to continue down this eco-path uh, of greenness, of making everybody cycle around uh, on bicycles, of making everybody pay even more money to heat their homes, for people to buy electric cars because uh, the other, any other form of car is simply going to be outlawed. It is totally and utterly ridiculous and I really do hope that we somehow get to a point at which we stop all of this nonsense. We stop all of this craziness and we stop trying to become climate neutral or carbon neutral by any time whatsoever. 0344 499 1000. Don't forget we are live streaming now on YouTube. Go there now, like it, subscribe to it and you will get all the news that is fit to print and all the news that you can watch as well as listen to right here on Talk Radio. Morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Lots of you uh, want to get in touch about the coronavirus uh, scenario, so there's an awful lot uh, to do between now, of course, and one o'clock when Matthew Wright will be here alongside Kevin O'Sullivan. Dan Wooden uh, coming up from four o'clock. Uh, but now uh, we're going to take a little side trip off uh, into um, the distance because we're not going to talk about something terrible like the coronavirus. We're not going to talk about the budget, which is coming up tomorrow. We'll be live, of course, in Westminster. We're going to talk about posture because it turns out, right that it may be better for you to not sit around all day, but rather kneel or squat. 
Now, in order to carry out what can only be described as a social experiment, we've asked Johnny Seifert, the showbiz editor, to join us. Johnny, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. I'm very pleased to see you wearing a tie for the appearance on the... And a, and a full-on suit. Yeah, it very good. It feels very weird. Does it? Yeah, I don't you look, like it. You look very smart, though. I feel very... So my posture at the moment, because I'm see, wearing a suit, is quite Isn't upright. that interesting? So when you wear something which makes you feel more important, you start to look more important. And Does that make me important? Actually, yeah, well, you start to look more serious. You know, you you know, no trainers. You look as if you mean business. You look as if you've got an important job. You're wearing a tie and a jacket. You know, it's got to be good, isn't it? Does that mean you actually take me seriously now? No. Oh. Not entirely. But that's because I know you. But if I didn't know you, I'd go, oh, look, there's a guy in a suit wearing a tie. He must have a, an important job. Well, it, yes, a very important job yes. I have here. Now, how long have you... I know that you measure yourself walking around all day, right? How long do you think you spend sitting down on a, on an annual, on a daily basis? Ooh, a long time, a very long time. Well, I'm looking for a, a number of hours. Let's go for seven hours sitting at a desk plus three hours watching TV and then lying down to sleep for eight hours. So you, you sit and for ten hours. And a one-hour bath. You, I, don't want, I don't want to know about your bath. You, you sit in the bath, presumably. I lie down in the bath for a nice hour. You lie down in the bath? Yeah. Okay. Bath sorts and redox. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's talk to Mark Dolan, uh, who's obviously an expert in sitting down, um, because he spends an awful lot of time standing up and doing comedy, but must sit down for quite a lot of the day as well. Mark, very good afternoon to you. Oh, afternoon, Michael. I hope that you're uh, doing the whole of today's show standing up in like a kind of 80s DJ. Well, do you know, I used to do radio standing up because when I first started up in Scotland uh, doing a show called The Independent Republic with Mike Graham on Talk 107, um, mm. when I sat down to do the first kind of test run, the programme director said, you don't sound like yourself. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, <laughs> right. you sound different. He said, why don't you try doing it standing up? So I used to do the show standing up. And people used to get very unnerved by it because I had the First Minister of Scotland in once and he sat down in front of me and I was standing over him. And so he stood up as well. <laughs> so, well, listen, um, I think, I think uh, well, you know, I've got to say, Mike, uh, you, you are the hardest working man in showbiz. It's true. Uh, so you've got, you have no case to answer and I would, I would certainly allow you a, a couple of hours sat down. But we've got to be physically the laziest generation in human history. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But then you're not really quite the same generation as me. Well, no, you're closer I mean, to I'm Johnny Seifert, I'd say. That's uh, well, saying something. <laughs> I, I, I obviously can't reach that Adonis level. But, I mean, if you were to kind of say pretty much since the sort of 70s to 1980s, um, we've had so much automation that we don't lift a finger, uh, we are sat on our posterior, and is it any wonder that our health is going down the toilet? Well, at this point, I'm going to ask Johnny to do a bit of squatting for me, if you don't mind. Would you be able to do that? I mean, I had dinner last night in Knightsbridge at a place called Maya. Knightsbridge? It's a very nice restaurant called Maya. Nice. But I had a lot of pasta and a lot of cheese, so okay. this might go down really oh. badly. The food well, was amazing. Okay. But, uh, well, you can, you can kneel if you prefer. Would you prefer to kneel? I'm pretend I'm proposing to you. Uh, well, you could, but on one knee or two. I think on one knee you'd be proposing. I think if you're two knees, you're just being supplicant which is what I prefer, to be honest. Now, See, at this point, I really don't know what to say because I know it's a family show, Mike, but this, this is all very compromising to just listen in on this chat. <laughs> what would you say, Mark? Knees. I'm on my knees, kneel down. Yeah. Um, it's a worry. It is a, it is a worry, but that's why I'm doing it with Johnny Seifert, <laughs> clearly. Um, so if you put the microphone down, right, um, and then kneel to see how more comfortable... I mean, you see if you're more... You get, move the chair out of the way as well. I think you should. There, no, you there you go. So now he's kneeling, right? Now, you look a bit lower down. 
Do you know what? This is absolutely fine. Is it? Like I said, do you know, they do seats like this where mm. you um, could put a chair. We used to have it in the old Talk Radio office. Yeah. Uh, that was like that without a back to it. But this actually feels okay. Does it? Now. now, do you know, Mark, I don't know whether you've ever seen one of these contraptions, but we, there used to be a guy at Talk Sport called, called Mike Bovell, who was the head of chairs, right? He had this chair, <laughs> which was amazing. It was like you knelt on it and you sort of leaned forward and it looked a bit like a Z shape, if you can imagine that. And you'd, yeah. so your knees would go sort of underneath this this thing that you would then lean on forward because he had a bad back and he couldn't sit, apparently. Well, listen, I mean, I'm all for that. You know, this coronavirus is about to kick off and the hospitals are going to be full. And the, the, the doctors will have no interest in your, you know, sort of bad back or your achy knees. We're going to have to really look after ourselves. So I think one way to fight corona is to get your body in perfect condition, ready to survive. And I think... You know, getting your posture right is definitely step number yeah. one. Now, you don't obviously go to an office to work very often, but and what would you think no. the reaction would be if you said to the people in that office, I hope you don't <laughs> mind, but I'm going to spend the day on my knees? Well, yeah, correct. I mean, it's very, very uh, compromising because it's an unusual look, isn't it? You'd have to sort of overcome... I must say, Johnny doesn't look um, right in many ways, kneeling. That, that's me sitting it, down as it, well. It looks wrong somehow. <laughs> I mean, look, my mother is a very religious lady and is she? she has spent decades kneeling and she has thighs like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So really? I say, yeah, I mean, honestly, it, 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 it is good to get out of... Basically, we are not... I am obviously no um, doctor, but physiologically, we, we've evolved from apes. We're not supposed to be sat down in a chair. It's a very unnatural position. Yeah. Have you um, not I seen an ape sit been, down before? Uh, how, are you, how are you feeling, by the way, Johnny? Is it straining for I'm you right, to be actually. doing that? It's no, not... I'm absolutely fine. So do you, does your back feel better? Is it straighter? I think it's probably straighter, right? Well, no, because I'm still more hunched over. Are you? So the legs are taking the weight of my body top at the so moment. Do you think you'll, you might get a dead leg if you stayed like that? Oh, yeah. Why don't you oh, try yeah. squatting now and see if that's any better? You want me to do squats? Not squats. No, just one squat. Just a squatting position, you know. So, like, on your haunches. We never get this with what? the badass women. Michael, well, you couldn't do it with them, could you? There's a lot of reasons Michael, for that. A lot of this is, uh, Michael, a lot of this is body language. And um, I think that actually, in terms of the hierarchy of the show, it's, it's the correct look that you should be in a chair and Johnny is... So he's not, he can't squat. He don't know how to squat. No. I'm, I'm sitting can't down, do that. Mark. I wasn't made to be like an eight. No, he can't do the squatting thing. Oh, by the way, Mike, you'll love this. Yeah. Um, another argument that's coming from the health experts is that we must have meetings stood up. And do you know the great advantage of a meeting Presumably, up? if you do it standing up, you can walk away quicker. You can, you can run. Yeah. Um, and also, it's going to be, because people are naturally quite lazy, it's going to be a shorter meeting, isn't it? I mean, people will cut to the chase. Well, I've seen a lot of offices now where they've got, like, sort of workspaces which you can do, uh, which you can use either standing up or sitting down. Uh, yeah, listen, you know, I think it's any which way. I think it's mixing it up a bit, Mike. I've had, uh, you know, so many uh, uh, experiences with knees, all fours. I mean, a lot of that goes... All fours? Way. That, oh, now, now you're talking. Sure. <laughs> it's been a few years. You don't get along very well with health, uh, health uh, spokesmen, though, do you? you? You get into rows with them. Yeah, I do, actually. Um, Dr. Ellie Cannon and I fell out over... Uh, well, basically... <laughs> Um, you know that a lot of this talk about you know being more active and moving around is yeah. fine, but if we're talking about weight loss, it's old school. It's about what you put in your mouth. Yes, I agree with that. And and, and the more calories you put in, the more work you have to do to get them out, right? 
<laughs> well, exactly right. And there's no point thinking that if you kneel down, you get that extra burger. I'm afraid no. that's not how it works. No. So you're not buying this then, in other words? I'm not really, You're not going to no, be doing I'll... your next talk radio show um, with uh, your partner in crime. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to go on your knees. No, honestly. I mean, I, I do... But Giles Corrin, of course, is a great star of talk radio... Um, uh, I do back out of the room because he's like royalty. So I do, I sort of, you know, I'm very subservient. But no, I mean, this is, in many ways, this is more um, stuff to make us worry about, isn't it? And it feels like, you know, everything the medical establishment says, everything the government says is to get us to sort of hate ourselves and feel really guilty for, for our entire life. And I'm thinking, you know, life's too short. I think you know, you're right. Have a beer, sit down in the chair and enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, I bet you wouldn't be too popular in a pub if you went in and started kneeling. No, I don't do. I mean, there comes a point in the evening where, where that will happen. Yes. You've had a great time. <laughs> Absolutely, Mark. Listen, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Johnny, can you say, could you spend an entire day on your knees? Is no. what I'm saying? No. no. Unless I'm cleaning. Yeah. Do you clean your own house? Yes. Do you? Yeah. That's surprising because you don't clean your own clothes. No, I don't. So why do you clean your own house? Because I can't find a cleaner at the moment. So if there's anyone available, uh, I do need a cleaner. I've got a good cleaner. I don't know where to go with this conversation. Okay. All right. Well, talk to me afterwards, and I'll see if you can uh, get. I think she can be. She can add you to her client list. We shall see. Johnny Seifert uh, tried kneeling, didn't like it. Um, if you uh, want to try it at home, you can by all means, and let me know how it goes. Mid morning with Mike Graham, Talk Radio, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Lots more to come between now and one o'clock. Matthew Wright will be here then, of course. Uh, John says, follow the money. Cheltenham will generate over £100 million over four days. The rugby will not. Well, that's an interesting point. Uh, but certainly there are people out there uh, who are concerned about the coronavirus, and I think wrongly in some ways. But let's talk to John, uh, who's in Cork, and find out what he's thinking. Hi, John. Mike, uh, sorry, first-time caller. Welcome. <laughs> Listen, um, I'm ringing because... Oh, I actually come from... By the way, I come from a part of the country here in Ireland, Cork. Yes. In Cork, which is strongly horse-based. A lot of people gone to Cheltenham. Yes, I know Cork. I've been to Cork. It's a lovely place. Horseway, I would have called it off. But at the same time, do you sacrifice massive money generator and a massive source of employment? Yes. Well, I mean, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because if they're going to cancel a rugby match in Dublin because of the Italian uh, well, that people... That didn't help. That, well, yeah, but that's what I mean. But if you're going to cancel that... Why would you allow Cheltenham to go ahead? If it's only about the money, then that's not very safe and it's health and safety. Uh, well, I hate to say it to you, Mike. What happened was this weekend they called off the rugby match. The Italians and their thousands still came into Temple Bar. Did they? Yeah. Well, because if you, I was saying this earlier, if you've made a plan to go somewhere because you were going to go for yeah. a football match or a rugby match, you're probably more than likely going to just go anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it's, the reason why I rang was I am quite angry over it. Right. I'm, uh, the way it's being reported on certain stations, not yours, um, other stations, shall we say, because it is scaremongering to the height of scandal. I mean, I'll give you an example. I'm in the 5% that if COVID-19, if I caught it, I'm in danger. I have multiple sclerosis and a brain tumour. I have two for one. Right. right now, so you are right in the firing line, effectively. Yeah, I'm not afraid of it because it's, it's basically a bad cold. 5% will get sick. 
and they uh, it will be unfortunately people die. But uh, is it eighteen thousand people died of the flu in England last year, and no one batted an eyelid? Well, that's the point, and and I mean I have to say you've you've got a very brave point of view, John, because you would be one of those people who might die if you got it, right? I got I listen my my appointment with my neurosurgeon got called off yesterday because there was an outbreak in the the hospital. There's only been thirty cases in Ireland. And unfortunately, they sealed off the hospital. They said no visitors. All appointments are off. And that's it. So what do I do? Okay, I stay out. That's fine. But it's, it's a case of remain calm. Right. Don't panic. Well, this but is the thing. But I, don't think, but I don't think the government and the health authorities are helping people remain calm, though, because they're sending out all these mixed signals, don't you think? Yeah. No, I've seen the English reaction. The Irish reaction is as bizarre. Our Taoiseach, our, leader, our Prime Minister, basically, came out yesterday and said 85,000 people might die of this. 85,000? Uh, might die yeah. of this. And you're kind of going, well, don't say that. Just don't. That's the worst case scenario. Right. And now they're saying 60% of Ireland will be infected. Right. Well, and for most of those people, without cutting it down, and I am not—I know over two thousand or is it three thousand people worldwide have died, but for ninety percent of the of the planet, it'll be a sniff, right. a chill, and a fever. Exactly. But yesterday, Irish television, the national broadcaster, had one of the COVID infected on from his hospital room in Dublin, and he said, "I got a bit of a fever. I feel fine now." Right. Well, maybe that's the good thing, though. Maybe they should be doing more of that and showing more people who've actually got it who are not actually in any massive danger. Yeah, it's just... It's, 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 there's a scaremonger. I, like I said, I rang another station in anger with them because of what they were saying. The first question I got from the person who answered the phone call was, how many cases in the area are you, are you in and how scared are you? Oh, dear. And when I said, I'm not scared, they cut me off. <laughs> yeah, well, you should have known better just rung this, this radio station, John, as you I know, did. No, no, I'm just saying, you're very calm compared to other stations. That's all I'm saying. It's, yes. It is disgraceful, and I wish people would just take a deep breath. I am, seriously, my wife is terrified for me. Right. Because... And are you, I mean, are you taking precautions? What can you do? Well, I mean, like, I, you I, wouldn't I, go out for, I mean, you wouldn't go to Temple Bar, maybe. I don't know. No, no, I'm in Cork. We don't have Temple Bar. We are classier. But <laughs> no, I know that. But what I'm saying is, is that yeah. well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't no. go there, would you? No, 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 you wouldn't. No, but you'd wash your hands and you just you don't touch your face, and right. that's the rule. That's it. And what else can you do? If someone's going to cough on you, there is nothing you can do about it. No, but you or, can you can stay home and not give them the opportunity, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's true. But it's like, yeah, I mean, I live in a country town. I'm kind of half isolated in the middle of the town because, like I said, it's a country town. So there's no people teaming around me. Right. But my wife works in a job where she's at a, a place where 100 people a day sign the, the paper she's working on okay. or open and close the door. She will get it. Yes. Well, I, know it. I suppose maybe she should then join you and, and just take some time off. John, listen, appreciate your call and, uh, and, be, and be well, I suppose, is the thing I could say to people. John uh, is another John in Northampton. Hello, John. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Good. I'm very interested to what the previous guy was saying because yeah. uh, something in common we have is that I've got multiple sclerosis as well. Okay. And I'm not scared either. All right. Do you, think it's because, it. do you think it's because you have lived with something like multiple sclerosis for a while that you're, you're less likely to panic? Maybe, because I've had it for, what, 28 years. Really? And, uh, you know, it uh, gets a little bit worse and a little bit better sometimes. Yes. But I'll survive it, and 
that's just life. You know, yeah. you deal with it. No, exactly. So, this is the problem that I've got, and maybe I haven't articulated it very well, but, you know, like Brexit uh, and now coronavirus, we seem to have this sort of attitude in this country now that we can't deal with anything. You know, what's, right. what, what's happened? I don't know. It's the same thing over climate change as well. You yeah. know, it seems to have gone crazy. You yeah, know, right. but the, the science is not there. Yeah. So scientists, most 75, there's something like 75% of scientists agree. You'll have trouble finding them. Right. And they don't name them. They don't name what they agree on. I mean, if you can get 75% of scientists to agree on anything, yeah. you're doing well. Well, also, the idea that everybody agrees on something doesn't make it right. You know, there was no, a, long, a long time ago, a lot of people agreed that the Earth was flat. Didn't mean it That's was. Right. That's you know? right. Just because somebody agrees on something, yeah. most people agree, doesn't make, make it a fact. No, absolutely right. So are you doing anything about sort of making yourself less likely to, to, to meet other people at the moment, John? Not really. I mean, I'm due to go out this week on Friday for a drink with some friends. Yeah. I will observe normal um, normal precautions of yes. care for what I touch and wash my hands and right. do that anyway. Right. But, I mean, all this talk about don't go to the pub, don't go to the restaurants, no. you know, don't go to the cinema, don't go to football. You know, I mean, I think we need to, to take a bit of a, a chill pill on this. I think we do. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not worried, as long as I, you know, make sure you wash your hands. Well, that's standard advice. I mean, I must admit, I'm washing my hands more than I used to, um, and yeah. which is no bad thing. Um, no. And we, we'll see how we go. That's right. I, I think it's just, you know, mad panic. And they haven't publicised how many people have had this virus and got over it. Yeah. Incredible. Indeed. All right, John. Well, listen, good luck with it. Thank you very much for calling. Isn't that amazing? Two, pe two people who ordinarily uh, would be in a high-risk category for getting uh, very, very sick indeed if they get coronavirus, and in fact, possibly even dying, are not worried. So that should tell you something, should it not, about the human condition, and it should tell you something as well about why it's not worth worrying about this. Now, obviously, if you've got people that you are worried about exposing to coronavirus, elderly people, people who might have diabetes, people who might have other underlying health problems, then, of course, you have a good reason to change your behaviour. But if you don't, I'm not sure that there's a reason for us to start killing off restaurants, killing off uh, hotels, killing off the economy as a result of this virus, which will not actually kill off as many people uh, as we are being told that it might. Do you know what I'm saying? 0344, a 499, a 1000 is the number uh, to call us on. Uh, we are pretty much out of time for today. Tomorrow is a big day, though, in the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, because we will be returning uh, to the scene of our famous triumphs of last year. Uh, it is, of course, the Tent of Shame down in uh, College Green. We will be there alongside a whole host of MPs. We've got a whole bunch of people lined up to talk to. Uh, Richie Sunak is doing his first ever budget in the afternoon, straight after Prime Minister's questions. Uh, Alex Phillips is going to be with us the former Brexit Party MEP. Darren Grimes is going to join us as well. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.